Welcome to Community Cafe, where strangers become new friends. New friends become old friends, and old friends become family. Please join our table or take a seat at the counter. We're glad you came. Hi, I'm Katie O'Neill, and this is Community Cafe. The furthest thing from Ben Blum's mind in August 2006 was that his 19-year-old cousin Alex would become an armed bank robber in Tacoma, Washington. To make sense of this shattering event, Ben spent the following years researching and writing Ranger Games, a story of soldiers, family, and an inexplicable crime. Ben Blum's Ranger Games is a nonfiction account of a family in turmoil trying to understand why a young family member with a glowing military record would want to participate in an armed robbery, risking everything for a bond that went beyond the bonds of friendship and military camaraderie. Alex had one goal in life, to become a U.S. Army Ranger, the elite special operations branch of the Army, tasked with complex, direct-action raids against enemy combatants. Alex achieved his goal, but on the day before his deployment to Iraq, things changed. Welcome to the program, Ben. Thanks for having me. When you first were alerted to the fact that your young cousin was involved in this robbery, when did you actually find this out? Uh, I found out on the evening of his arrest, which would be August 9th, 2006, a couple of days after the crime. Uh, I got a call from my father, who'd learned from his brother, Norm, Alex's father, um, after a, a SWAT team descended on, on Alex in, uh, in suburban Colorado, where we both grew up. So this was pretty much like a lot of families find out after the fact, either on the news or in the media somehow. Did anyone actually call you personally to tell you this had, had happened, or did you have to find out secondhand as well? Well, my, my father did call me personally. It spread. We're, we're a very tight-knit family, so um, the news rocketed through, um, through the, the whole web of us with great speed. What was the actual—what did they tell you first? Did they tell you that he'd been arrested or that he just was in trouble? Yeah, they told me that he'd been arrested um, for bank robbery, um, and I immediately— went to the nearest computer and, and started Googling the crime. Um, it came up, of course, but at that time they, they weren't yet releasing the names of the suspects um, in the news. So we, we learned ahead of the news cycle. How much of his military background were you aware of prior to this? Well, he, he'd been obsessed with the idea of becoming an Army Ranger for years. So it was widely known around the family. Um, I had last seen him on a short leave between uh, Airborne and the Ranger Doctrination Program, the final two phases of his training, um, when he came back around Christmas um, to talk to us. And, uh, and I'd heard him talking about it all through our childhoods in, in Colorado. Um, he, he was always playing Army games, dressing up in fatigues, uh, setting up a kind of replica of the D-Day landing in Normandy in the sandbox at, at his father's house. 
um, it, it was it was very much a part of how I thought of him. Which is not abnormal for a young man at that age anyway. Even I remember my brother playing with the little green soldiers and building tanks and throwing walnuts as grenades. And that that's typical boy play, I would think. Was there anything? Oh, it ab- sure is, yeah. Was there anything uh, that you could see or look back on that you said, oh, my God, that was a red flag. Why didn't I pay attention to that? Well, um, as far as red flags for the robbery, no, nothing whatsoever. Uh, red flags that Alex would be getting very, very serious about his, his army plans. Um, absolutely. He was um, he took it so far beyond the, the kind of casual play that so many boys uh, engage in with military type games. Um, he was a, a voracious reader at, at 10 years old. He was reading uh, Stephen Ambrose, the, the popular military historian um, reading a series of books about World War II, starting with Band of Brothers. Um, he was absolutely fascinated with our, our grandfather's military service. Our grandfather landed in Normandy shortly after D-Day um, with, the, with the Army. Uh, and it just got more and more serious as time went on. He was also a very serious athlete, so the idea of being a part of a team um, was deeply appealing to him. He, he was a, always a very loyal guy, a very patriotic guy. Um, September 11th hit two weeks into his freshman year in high school. So that, um, that marked a a major deepening of his, um, commitment to the idea of becoming an army ranger. Were you at all familiar with the military's, uh, code of conduct or what it would take to become a ranger at the time? No, I had no idea whatsoever. Um, Alex had a pretty good idea. He did a lot of reading and research before he enlisted. Um, he'd been studying the soldier's handbook for months before he, um, shipped off for basic at Fort Benning, but I knew absolutely nothing. I was a gigantic math nerd growing up. I, I found military stuff kind of distasteful and and scary and foreign and tried to stay as far away from it as I could. I can certainly appreciate that. At the point that you realized you had to do something. What was the first thing that came to your mind to be able to try to do? Well, I was um, pursuing a science career at the time. Uh, and I'll just say up front, by the way, that my understanding of the military is much, much different now. I learned so much over the oh, course sure. of researching this book for Alex and, and have a deep appreciation now for um, what service members do that I never had before. But I, I was at the time a... Um, artificial intelligence researcher. And uh, Alex's legal defense drew heavily on um, social psychology. The the famous psychologist Philip Zimbardo, um, creator of the Stanford Prison Experiment, participated in the legal defense. So I thought that as a practicing scientist, I might be able to help out with his legal defense in some ways and, um, and then afterward write a book uh, more or less clearing his name, drawing on all the science that, that went into explaining his actions. I could relate to a certain degree with this book only because of the fact that I did eight years military myself. I was in the Navy. And being, oh, yeah? being able to take a look at this book and remember back, my father was a decorated war hero and was a POW three times. He was wounded seven times. 
uh, his medals are lengthy. So I grew up knowing that there was a code that you did not break. And I, I, all I could say is the book resonated on different levels for me. When you were able to that's find a, out, oh, I'm sorry, go right ahead, please. Well, that's a remarkable record of service. Um, and I, uh, and it's wonderful that that inspired you to, to go on um, and serve as well. I think in our family, we had these, these kind of myths passed down um, from our grandfather, but his, his service was quite different. I mean, the myths had this great romantic gloss about them, but um, as emerged when I studied more and more, um, I, when, I, when I did more and more research into our family history and, and into the case, um, his, his service was not, not quite so um, decorated as, as your father's. Um, it's not he, as glamorous, is it? No, it is not as glamorous. And, and in fact, there is some, you know, outright misconduct, I, I would say, and um, in his time in, in the military. And, and I do think that it, in subtle ways, entered these family stories that went on to shape Alex's idea of military service, even as he remained committed to this deeply um, honorable image of what kind of soldier he wanted to be. I can, I can relate to that because as a child, Dad wouldn't talk about things a lot. You would ask him questions, and he would say, oh, we'll talk about that later, or you don't need to worry huh. about that. You know, there were things he didn't want us to know. Once I became right. a part of the military system, I started to uncover a little at a time what he was talking about and why he didn't want to talk about things. There are things that go on in the military that are unlike any other institution, and it is not necessarily the easiest thing that anyone would ever endeavor to do. And you certainly don't go into it for the pay. Yeah, absolutely. I And I've come to feel that, I, you know, it is very hard um, crossing that military-civilian divide and having those hard conversations about what goes on on deployment. Um, but I've just come to view that as such an um, important process to navigate, um, particularly for young men and women who might be considering enlisting themselves. Um, you know, we, I think it's really important to understand what's going to be asked of you and, and what the right way and the wrong way to go about it is. I totally agree. If you have friends that are interested in the military, ask them to please research it. Make sure that that is a commitment that they want to make because it's going to be one of the hardest decisions they've ever made once they get in. Absolutely. What was your gut reaction when you found out that his commander was part of the coercion? Well, um, it it offered an immediate explanation. Um, it was so unfathomable uh, that Alex himself had in any way initiated um, participation in this crime, that um, the, the fact that the ringleader was a superior, uh, it, it stood out immediately as, as the key to understanding how he'd come to be involved. Um, it was, in fact, the first team leader that Alex had when he arrived at battalion, a specialist named Luke Elliott Summer. Probably one of his first friends. Yes, yes, that too. 
um, and a and a superior. Um, you know, the the difference in rank between specialist and and uh, private isn't great, um, but in the Rangers it matters quite a bit because the E4s uh, have been um, through Ranger school, the next stage in Ranger training, and and they have combat experience. They're they're really a case above the privates, and in the time that Alex went through um, the Ranger indoctrination program and and entered the regiment, um, the the tabs as they were called, those who had the Ranger tabs for Ranger school, um, were responsible for a lot of the early training that privates received. Were you able to find out anything about the group itself? I mean, as far as as far as the group that he was with when they robbed the bank. Yeah. Um, so there were three Rangers um, in the car and two Canadian associates of summer who, who grew up in British Columbia. Um, were they Rangers Alex as was, well? No, they, they were not. Okay. Um, they were they were just friends of summers who traveled down on a bus. And then there were um, two other Ranger friends of summers who served time for helping plan the robbery and, and helping store uh, weapons for summer. Um, and, and then kind of vague hints of a number of other Rangers who were peripherally involved in one way or another, who, who kind of knew of the plan. Um, summer talked about the plan remarkably openly around battalion. Um, everyone kind of thought that he was joking or, or wouldn't go through with it. Um, it was quite common practice and, in the Rangers, um, at least at the time, to speculate about um, how various, you know, mission-like criminal actions could be carried out around Tacoma just as a way to exercise their tactical skills and blow off steam. Um, but yeah, I could, I could tell you a bit about the, the group, if you'd like. Um, they, the Rangers that, that Summer managed to pull in, um, most of them were, were vulnerable in one way or another. They were either um, unpopular or uh, owed him something, um, or in Alex's case, were just junior and naive and, uh, and, and looking to him for mentorship. The media has played a huge role in the military over the last 20 years. I remember when Full Metal Jacket had come out several years ahead of this event. Uh, I think that it left a huge hole in a lot of people being exposed to the cruel and harsh hazing created by the military. Do you feel that that Mm -hmm. or any other films or media encourage the behavior? It's a good question. Um, There's a real symbiotic relationship between them. Um, I think the, I think drill instructors have been screaming at recruits since time immemorial. You know, that didn't begin with full metal jacket. Um, but everyone who goes into the military now has, has watched all these films. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the expectation for how boot camp is supposed to look. Um, so, uh, I, I, I kind of think of it as a, uh, a cultural record of this kind of special culture of basic training. Um, and, and the record does in its own way perpetuate it. 
at what point did you feel like you could understand for the first time the motivation for the ruse of convincing him to go along with this robbery? Um, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Sure. At what point do you feel like you could actually understand the motivation for the ruse uh, that convinced him to go along with this robbery? How long did it take the, to put the, it all together? The motivation. How long did it take to put it all together? I. So, it took me a very, very long time, um, and part of what was most challenging in in that time was was understanding this guy, um, Luke Elliott Summer. I I read so many statements by, from the defendants, um, kind of trying to to point out that somehow they thought it was all a, a game or, or a joke um, at the point when Summer got them involved in it. And it took me a very long time to realize that that had been a deliberate recruitment technique on his part. Um, he uh, wrote people in with this appearance of kind of goofy fun and games um, play acting. Let's all, you know, just hypothetically think about how we might take down a bank and, um, and plot and scheme and, you know, uh, hone our military skills that way. And then as he got people more and more implicated, he showed them more and more evidence that this might actually happen. Um, I didn't put that together until I'd say nine years after the crime, despite reading all these statements by people suggesting that. Um, and, and it took, talking to Summer and getting to know him and understanding his personality for that to click into place. Well, I can, I can look back at this and I can, I can kind of go, okay, Manchurian candidate, full metal jacket, Torah, Torah, Torah. All of these things are going back in my mind as I look through the book and thinking, this is just nothing more than brainwashing. All they have done is just brainwash these kids. If they don't go along with it, well, they can't be part of the group because that's not the norm. The norm has to be what we tell you it is. You know, um, it's, of course, a very controversial claim to say that um, military training is, is brainwashing. Um, and, and I think for various reasons, it might not be the most accurate way to describe it. Um, but, but brainwashing is, uh, I think, widely misunderstood. It doesn't turn you into a robot. It doesn't wipe clean your beliefs and, and, and make you this kind of obedient automaton without any free will or sense of humor or personality. Um, it just establishes deep, deep bonds of loyalty to a new group in a short period of time and, and deep respect for the authorities of that group. And, uh, and Alex certainly had that. He was, um, so loyal to this guy Summer and so ready to subsume his own sense of what was normal behavior in the Rangers to um, the way that Summer presented it to him. Um, and, you know, I, that's, it's a necessary induction for soldiers into a community that does have profoundly different norms of behavior than, than the civilian communities they come from. Um, but it also makes new soldiers uh, very vulnerable um, if they are exposed to leadership that, that doesn't embody the, the best values that the military embodies. 
I, I can understand that. Uh, as Dad used to describe it, be careful how you pick your friends because if you end up in a foxhole, you want to make sure that these are people you can trust and count on. Yeah. So it, no it does make sense. It's a lot of manipulation. Um, I know my own personal experiences were, uh, it was a little rough in the beginning. Uh, it took me a while to find my wings and, and make my way through. But once I did, then I was fine. But it's almost like anything else. You're going through some intensive training, and your brain has to be completely wired to that and that alone. And if it's not, it can cost you your life. So it does make sense to yep. me that there are there is a, a rhyme and a reason to everything that happens. And I think someone was uh, very manipulative in finding someone who may have been looking for something that all of a sudden now that person can deliver. And it does make a, a yeah. change in a person's mind and how they feel and how they think. In the process of this trial, how long did it take? Um, so Alex was in um, pre-trial detention for 16 months, um, and then he ended up pleading guilty, so it did not go to trial. What was the outcome with the um, other people that were involved? Um, everyone pled out, as is the norm in um, our criminal justice system today. Uh, Alex received uh, the shortest sentence by far of all those who went to the bank that day. Um, the longest sentence, as you might imagine, was um, Luke Elliott Summer, who, who received 24 years, uh, and then went on to stab one of his co-conspirators in prison and try to put a hit out on his prosecutor, earning himself another 20 years. Which should have only solidified your uh, defense, by all means. It just yeah, con yeah just um, continued to prove and, what personality type you were dealing with. Uh, yeah, manipulative is exactly the right word. He... Um, he is extremely manipulative and extremely intelligent. Um, I've spent a long time talking to him, um, and he's uh, actually he's he's kind of obsessed with higher mathematics now, um, which is my own background. So a lot of the time that we talked, it was just uh, about math. Um, it was it was hard to it was hard to stay on topic about the robbery, which is what I really wanted um, because he's he was just so expert in moving the conversation where he wanted to, which was often the Goldbach conjecture or, uh, you know, uh, Lagrange polynomials. Well, all I can say is that Alex was extremely lucky to have someone like you in his corner willing to go to bat for him. If anyone reading your book would, if, if, if you could say anything to any of your readers about looking for signs or behaviors or things that are not normal with family members that are in the military that might give you a heads up that something isn't quite right, what would be your best advice? Well, um, if they're still um, serving, of course, uh, contact their sergeant, um, let them know what concerns you have. Um, I think in, in Summer's case, his family did try to make that intervention. They actually tried to um, call in a couple of times to indicate that he was 
not in a good headspace. Um, but, uh, the best advice that I can offer is, is just don't be afraid to really ask, um, about the details of what they've been through. Um, I think it's, it's, um, we, we have a growing awareness now in our, in our culture that, um, trauma has profound effects and that, um, it doesn't show weakness to talk about your pain. It, it's just a way of, uh, connecting to others and, and strengthening and, and healing. Um, so I, I think particularly, particularly men in our culture who can feel reluctant about that, just, um, need to learn how to, how to be open to each other's pain. That's great advice. And I sincerely hope that our listeners out there are paying attention. You know, I do see the possibility of a very good made for TV movie out of this. What do you think? Um, very possibly it has been option for film and, um, I don't know whether it's going to go in that direction. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a story that's kind of, I wouldn't believe it myself if it hadn't happened to our family and, 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 uh, taken over our life for so many years. Um, so maybe, maybe someone will see fit to put it on TV. We'll see. Well, it's one of those things that I think our society needs to learn a little bit about because with what's going on in our current situations overseas now, we are receiving a lot of our soldiers being deployed back home with mental issues and physical issues that are unlike wars in the past. Now people are actually talking about what happens. So I think this book is not only a wonderful story, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's also extremely educational, and, and I thank you very much for writing it. I think it's something that needed to be told. How is Alex Well, thanks now? for saying so. Uh, Alex is doing much better now. Um, he had a very hard time letting go of this dream of, of being a ranger, um, that, that he'd held for so many years, even after he went to prison, he was just, um, so set on finding a way to, um, serve his country in, in the army. Um, and, and it, uh, over the course of my talking to him about this book and, and working on it with him, and, um, pushing him into morally reckoning with, with what he'd done in a deeper way. I, I think he finally reached some closure on that. Um, he is now, um, so he's been out of prison for a long time. He has a good job. He takes care of a wonderful pit bull named Pickles. He, he's kind of dreams of opening his, his own food truck. He took up gourmet cooking as a hobby while he was in prison. I don't know if gourmet is the term, actually. <laughs> he started with burrito bowls cooked from commissary items. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it takes a lot of ingenuity, but maybe that's the making of a great food truck chef. I think it's wonderful that he's got some great productivity going on in his life now. And again, he's blessed to have someone like you in his corner who can stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, this just isn't right. And we need more friends and more family like that. I think that's great. Ben, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate the hard work that you put into with this book and the heart and soul it must have taken in order to write it. And we sincerely hope to our listeners that you'll get out there and buy this book. It is 
an amazing, an amazing story. It, uh, it will make you laugh, cry, get mad, get happy, get sad. It, the, the gambit of emotions is all there. And it's a story that needed to be told, and we're glad that you did it. This is Kate O'Neill. Again, our guest is Ben Blum, and his book is Ranger Games. We hope you'll come back to Community Cafe and hear who's on next. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for coming in. See you tomorrow. Remember, the topic is always hot. And, oh, hey, don't forget your change. 